We've been going through these uh, Baptist distinctives. I made an acrostic out of it in case you wanted to remember them, a way to remember them by. The word Baptists, Baptists. B is for biblical authority. We studied on that. A is for the autonomy of the local church. We looked at that. P is for the priesthood of the believer. I is for individual, uh, or uh, P is for the priesthood of the believer. T is for two offices, pastor and deacon. A, I is for individual soul liberty. S is, we'll study tonight. S is going to be saved and baptized membership. And uh, that seems elementary. That seems like that ought to uh, be self-explanatory. In other words, that's uh, something that uh, you'd think uh, we'd just take for granted. Well, of course, if you're a member of the church, you got to be saved and baptized. But I'm telling you that across this country tonight, there's churches that are slammed full of people that have no salvation experience, none. Uh, they couldn't tell you when they got saved, how they got saved. Uh, they've never been saved, never been baptized. I'm, I'm satisfied there's pulpits full of preachers across this country uh, that, uh, that never have been saved and don't have any uh, solid uh, experience of salvation. Isn't that sad? And uh, so I'll just tell you tonight, you can, uh, you can come to church all you want. You can go in there in my office and let the church roll out, make sure your name's rolled on it, and uh, do all them things. But if you've never been to Calvary, I don't care if you come on Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday school, Sunday night. I don't care if you tithe. I don't care what you do. If you've never been to Calvary, then it's all for naught. It's all for naught. And uh, so I want to deal with that a little bit tonight. Uh, Acts chapter number 2, we'll get our reading this evening in verse number 40. And, and actually today on the way home toward the end of the message, I'm going to deal with something God uh, spoke my heart about on the way home this evening that I never had thought of. And uh, I, I wanted, I thought, matter of fact, I thought it was so good. I said, I'll preach that one Sunday morning, you know, because when you're a preacher, you always try to save your best, your best stuff for Sunday morning. And uh, I thought, I'll preach that on Sunday morning. And I was riding up the road. God said, that faithful bunch on Wednesday night ought to hear something good every now and again. Amen. And uh, so uh, I give it to, to you toward the end of the service. And... Uh, you can tell them didn't get here. Uh, didn't get here. Uh, you can tell them Sunday. You said, "Boy, you missed it." Preacher really brought something out was good, uh, but uh, man, it may it may just been good for me. You may not think it's as good as I did, but I really enjoyed it. Acts chapter number two. Uh, we read a few verses here. Start verse number forty of Acts two. The Bible said, "And with many words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation.'" Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. We'll stop by reading right there. Uh, we notice here in Acts chapter number 2, of course, this was the great day of Pentecost. Peter preached his uh, great message, 3,000 people got saved and went and got baptized. I bet that took a while. And uh, then the Bible said that they were added, added unto them. Now, what's the Bible talking about there? Well, 
obviously speaking about being added unto the church. As a matter of fact, the only way to get into the church is through the saving grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, I don't care what the Catholics say. They can baptize all the infants they want to baptize. There's not a single example of anybody that ever got into the church in this Bible except through and by the saving grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it is a Baptist distinctive that you must be saved and baptized by immersion, I will add, by immersion if you are to be a member of the local New Testament church. I'm going to give you three things tonight, and I, I believe the Lord's going to help us tonight. I've really enjoyed studying this today. And I'm going to give you three things about church membership tonight. Uh, people, they can be, they proud to be members, you know, and I watching uh, Andy Griffith there the other day. You know me, I've always got an Andy Griffith illustration. I was watching Andy Griffith the other day, and it was the one where they was going to get in that big club, you know, the Esquire Club. And Barney went up there and put his best foot forward and ended up not getting in. There's a lot of people that are uh, real proud to be a member of a country club, a member of a lodge, a member of a social order, a member of whatever it might be, a member of a fire department, but I, I want to tell you that tonight that the thing I'm most proud of is my church membership. Amen. And I'm glad to be a member of the Concord Baptist Church. And uh, just share a few things with you tonight. Number one, the importance of church membership. Now, I want you to think about how important it is to be a member of a local New Testament church. First of all, it's important scripturally. The Bible said in Hebrews chapter number 10, verse number 25, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another in so much the more as you see the day approaching. And so Paul said to the Hebrew church, he said, listen, as Jesus' coming gets closer, you ought to give more attendance to attending the church. And I believe it's vitally important these days. I love Wednesday night. And uh, I know we've been preaching on these basics of the faith. I, 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 number one, I feel like it's what the Lord spoke to my heart about preaching, and I'll never back up from what the Lord spoke to me about. And number two, I think it's important. You say, well, I know everything I've done. No, I knew everything you've said over the last six weeks. Number one, you're a liar. Man, you didn't know everything I've said over the last six weeks. And number two, whether you knew it or not, it's good sometimes to hear something again. Amen. I mean, you know, we sing Amazing Grace a lot. And uh, you say, well, I'm tired of Amazing Grace. I ain't. Amen. And why is church, why is it? Why is it so important? Well, number one, it's important because of the accountability that it offers. Now, if you read these next few verses here in Acts chapter number 2, what you'll find is that these brethren continued daily with one accord going from house to house, my friend, worshiping the Lord, and then, get this, they sold everything they had, and they put all the money in one big pot, and they let the preacher distribute it the way that he wanted it distributed. Can you imagine uh, that kind of that kind of dedication to the Lord and that kind of interest in seeing the gospel go forward. Well, that's exactly what they did. And uh, the church offers an opportunity for us to come together and to be accountable one to another. The Bible said in Proverbs 27 and 17, 
Iron sharpeneth iron, so man sharpeneth the countenance of his friends. And can I say to you tonight that I need my brothers and sisters in Christ so that somebody can call me out when I'm wrong. And uh, we live in this day where everybody's touchy-feely about everything. Everybody gets their feelings hurt real easy and gets offended real easy. And the world will tell you however you want to live is okay. And I mean, it, in this day and hour, it don't hardly matter what you do. There's a crowd out there that'll tell you it's all right. But I'm glad that I can come to a church that I know that if I get off in left field somewhere, somebody is going to say something to me about it. And that's your real friends, by the way, is the ones that look you and your God-given eyeballs and say, look, you're slipping up right here. I love you. Let me help you. Uh, let me encourage you to do the right thing here. Uh, I'm telling you that the church uh, brings about some accountability. I, I, I believe everybody ought to be a member of a church because the group of people that are together holds you accountable to the Lord. And we need that. We need accountability. But then also, church membership's important because of instruction. You know who Paul, you know who Paul this is deep now, put on your thinking hat. You know who Paul wrote the nine church epistles to? <laughs> the churches. I told you that was deep. Y'all gonna have somebody's gonna have to say something. I tell you, I feel like I'm just preaching against a, a brick wall tonight. Y'all like drool running out of the side of your mouth. At least laugh at the jokes. I said Paul wrote the church epistles to the churches. How about that? You know who Jesus gave his revelation to? The church. Under the church at Laodicea. Under the church at, at Philadelphia. Under the church at Sardis. Under the church at Thyatira. So on and so forth. So it is the church that has received the word of God. You know, you say, well, I can learn, I can learn about the Bible by sitting at the house, and you can, but you can't receive it the way that you will at the church. I, I'm glad for this. It's the place where I have received instruction from the Word of God. Then watch this. The church is important because it's where we're able to come together for corporate worship. And I tell you, people that have much maligned the church, you, look, you get on Facebook sometimes, and uh, ask somebody if they go to church. I ain't got to go to church to be God's children. I'm, I'm one of God's young, and I, I don't have to go to church. And I'm going to tell you something. You, hey, you say, well, I can get along with God and worship God going down uh, the road in my car at my house. And you can. But let me tell you what you can't do. You can't worship God with your brothers and sisters in Christ at the house or going down the road in your car. And there is a, there is a value to worshiping God with other people. Matter of fact, the Bible said in Ephesians 3, 21, unto him be glory in, where? The church. What does that say? Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end, amen. That didn't say unto him be glory at the golf course, unto him be glory in the deer woods, unto him be glory where, no, he said unto him be glory in the church. So there is something special about coming together in a corporate worship. That is why that's the importance of church membership. But then there's the introduction to church membership. What does that even mean? I'm always surprised. You know, the, the average person that comes to church, they got no idea even how to join church. They don't even, they don't even know how to join. 
you know, and I deal with that a lot. And uh, so there's uh, three ways that you can join our church. You can be saved and baptized here, hallelujah, or you can be saved at another church, baptized there, and then join here by a statement of faith, or you can be saved at another church, baptized there, and join here through a transfer of letter. But you'll notice there was one prerequisite in all three of those, or two prerequisites in all three of those things, and that is that you are saved and baptized. You don't have to be baptized to go to heaven, but you do have to be baptized to be a member of the church. Now, that's the teaching of the Scripture, uh, and we saw it there. Now, a church member is someone who has aligned themselves with a particular church and will work toward the advancement of the Great Commission along with the other members of the church and has the ability and responsibility to vote in the congregational decisions of the church. Uh, that is, that's the introduction to what it means to be a church member. It's not something you ought to take lightly. Uh, and uh, it's something that you ought to pray about and make sure that God has put you uh, with that, uh, that body of believers before you join a church. I don't know who all hears members or not that I'd... I, most everybody here is a member of the church, a member of this church. And uh, I hope you prayed about it before you joined. Because uh, you ought to want to be in God's perfect will concerning where you go to church. I believe that. I believe that. So there is, there is the importance of church membership. Then there's the introduction to church membership. Right here is really where I wanted to preach tonight. There's the influence of church membership. So what... Does church membership do for you? What does church membership do for you? Or better yet, what should you do for the church? Hang on, i got an itchy spot right here on my back. And I can't get to it. Now then, that's all I can think about. That whole last point, I thought, man, my back's, my back's itching. I know better to think I can reach it. So what does church membership do for you? Or better yet, what is it that you can do for the church? Now, when you join the church, you get a part, be a part of a brotherhood. And best I can tell, Brother Allen, it's the only real brotherhood that really exists. <laughs> I was told, now I was told, when I joined the fire service, you was part of the brotherhood. The brotherhood of the fire service. I'll tell you what I've learned through experience, and that is they'll cut your throat a lot of them faster than anybody else on the planet. And then I got involved in law enforcement. And I was told that there's going to be a brotherhood in law enforcement. And I'll admit, they're a little better than the fire service, but they still, it's still that, thin, that thin blue line's pretty thin most places. I, now, I'm here to tell you, but the church and the church family, <laughs> son, when you get involved in a good church family, you've gotten involved in a, in a real brotherhood, a real brotherhood. And... Uh, I'm glad for that. I'm glad to be a part of something that I've got, I've got family here. And I look forward to coming. I didn't have to come tonight. Nobody made me come. Nobody talked me into coming to church. I got to come. I, amen. I, it's my privilege to come and be around you folks. And I like to stand at the back in the service over fellowship. And I like fellowship for the service starts. You know why? Because I enjoy being around you. I, God has made me a part of a brotherhood, giving me a relationship here. I want to show you something right here. This, I was riding home this afternoon, and God brought this to my mind. I thought, wow, I've never seen that. 
It's one of them aha moments. I was riding up the road, and I got thinking about them young'uns with them shields and them swords as they've been learning about that, that armor of God. Now think about them verses in Ephesians 6. And I thought to myself, I ain't preached on that in a long time. I preached on Ephesians chapter number 6. I got riding up the road. Well, I got thinking about the verses that come right before those verses dealing with the armor of God. You see, in Ephesians chapter number 5, Paul actually starts that thought in Ephesians 5 where he said, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church, gave himself for it. Wives, submit yourself unto your own husbands, the son of the Lord. And then you cross over into chapter number 6. He said, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Then if you'll read on in chapter number 6, he talks about masters and the, the, the relationship between masters and servants. Uh, and then he says, Finally, my brethren, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil and all of those things down through there. And I got thinking about I never had thought about those two, those, those two things going together. But I tell you what, I, I got thinking about on the way home this afternoon. There was a reason why that's laid out in the Bible the way it's laid out. And a matter of fact, that thought on relationships with your family bleeds over from chapter 5 into chapter 6. I'd always thought, honestly, I'd always thought that the editors made a mistake right there and they should have continued that thought in chapter 5 and began chapter 6 with the whole armor of God. But I got corrected on that this afternoon because I tell you, that all goes together. Here's my thought. Here's my thought. Before you never, so what he dealt with there is interpersonal relationships of everyday life. Husband and wife, Children and boss, your boss and the worker. That's, that's the three interpersonal relationships of everyday life. And here's, what, here's, the, here's the idea. The ideal is that you can't put on the whole armor of God until you have relationships worked out in your life. I'm telling you, the longer the longer I live, the more convinced I am that life is all about relationships, 100%. Uh, I believe the church is all about relationships. I mean, what do you come here for? You come to work on your relationship with the Lord. Where did you get a relationship with the Lord at? At the church. So you come to work on your relationship with the Lord and then work on our relationships with one another and then improve our relationships with people on the, in the, on the outside. You think about the business world. The business world's all about relationships. Really, you boil it down. It's all about relationships. Uh, there's a lot of people buy parts from Bobby because Bobby talks their ears off. Amen. It's relationship, relationships. So there's all these, uh, but it's all about, and so Paul, he purposely laid those relationships out. Now, Ephesians chapter number six deals completely with spiritual warfare. And uh, I wish that the Lord would allow me to deal several weeks of spiritual warfare. I got a thousand things I'd like to say about it, but I'll just sum it up by saying this right here. One of the number one ways to limit your exposure in spiritual warfare is to have good relationships with the people you love. Because I'm telling you, one of the number one things the devil uses to destroy you spiritually is to destroy your relationships with other people. 
And so before you can ever think about getting in the warfare and putting on the whole armor of God, you first got to get your relationships with husband, wife, and children, and uh, a boss. All, all those relationships have got to be straight out. You've got to have positive relationships in your life before you can ever start to battle in any spiritual warfare. That is how important that relationships are. Relationships. And that's one of the, that's one of the great influences of the church is you get good relationships. Get good relationships. And I tell you that the church ought to be a place where your best friends are at. The people that you can't wait to see, the people that are the encouragers of your life, the people that you've got solid relationships with. That's the reason the church is so important in winning spiritual battles. It's because it's a place that encourages good relationships. And so it is that the church does for us is the church builds our relationship with the Lord and with one another and with our family. But then the question comes, what do you do for the church? Well, I wrote down just two or three things here that I think that y'all think about. And I believe, number one, you ought to participate. I think it's your, I think it's your obligation to participate. In other words, uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, I don't ever have to wonder where I'm going to be at. I'm going to be at the, at, at the house of God and a lot of nights in between. You know why? Because God's done too much for me, uh, for me not to be here. I'm telling you, if I lived in an area, so what I'm about to say may rub, some, may rub the fur the wrong way on the cat, but if I lived in an area that didn't have a good Bible-believing church, you know what I'd do? Honestly, I'd go to one of them liberal churches. I would, rather than just not go. I would, just so I could, have, just so I could say I'd made an effort. And then I'd get in there and try to work and change it if I could. Try to, try, to, try to influence it some way to get it going a different. But I would not be out of church. I don't care if I lived in a place didn't have, if I lived in a place didn't have a church, I'd drive to where there was a church. I believe that strongly. And being involved in a local New Testament church. Now, I'm glad I got a good church to go to, believes the Word of God, preaches the Bible. But I believe that strongly in being a part of, a, being a part of the local New Testament church. See, I believe a man ought to participate in this church. I think, I think that you fellas ought to say amen. That's participation. And if you don't, if you don't, uh, like to say amen, practice it a little. Go out in the woods and holler amen, jump around and kick up some leaves. That'd be good. Learn to say amen, participate a little bit. You ladies, it wouldn't hurt for y'all to raise your hands, holler hallelujah every now and again. Have to participate. Participate. Get in there and do something. Participate. Come to the things that the church has. Everything the church offers, Sunday school, everything the church offers. Be right there, be in your place, participate. But then, y'all don't not all, all, you don't not just to participate, but y'all to propagate. What does that mean, preacher? Well, y'all tell others about your church. Y'all invite others to come to church. Say, hey, I'd love for you to come to church Sunday. We'd love to see you. God, God really help you if you'll come to church this Sunday. Invite some people to come to church. I tell you, that's how churches grow. I think you get about a, it's like a 6% turnaround or maybe not even that much on knocking doors. 
But when somebody invites, and I'm not against knocking doors, I'm just telling you it's not the most efficient way to get people to come to church. But when somebody invites somebody else they know, that's the highest, that's the highest percentage of turnarounds you can possibly get, is giving a personal invitation to somebody you know. And I believe church folks ought to do that. I believe you ought to do it. You know what I believe? It's Wednesday night. I started to be mean. I thought of a mean thing up there while we sing it. I started to get ready and turn the, turn the sound off on the, on the, uh, on the video. And I was going to tell you it's a secret. I was going to let you in on a secret. I was going to say, now y'all are my faithful Wednesday night crowd. Now I'm going to get up Sunday morning and announce we ain't going to have no more Wednesday night services. We're going to try to be like the big churches that don't have service on Wednesday night. And then I was just going to let it go at that. And see how many people that don't come to church on Wednesday night cornered me in the, out in the foyer and told me what a bad idea that, <laughs> what a bad idea that was. <laughs> I thought it'd be funny. And then I thought, no, that might stir division. I better not do that. <laughs> but you know, hey, get out and invite somebody. Sunday morning, tell somebody about Sunday school if they didn't come. Tell them about Wednesday night if they weren't here. Propagate your church a little bit. And then, lastly, if you're going to be a member of the church, you ought to pay. You ought to pay. It's kind of like the man and woman got in the car that day and fussing about the preacher. Talking about how he just, ain't, yeah, he just didn't have it today. The choir was off. The special singer didn't do too hot. Just throwing off on everything that happened. Little boy sitting back there and he said, well, I thought it was a pretty good show for a dollar. <laughs> Not, not too bad of a show for a dollar. You know, I, and I, I know it's Wednesday night crowd, but I believe, I believe in tithing. But uh, I think tithing's just a starting point. I really do. If, I, if all I gave was 10% of what I made, I'd be ashamed. I would. I, would. I, I won't give above and beyond. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine? Getting a calculator out, trying to figure out what you owe God. Really, how are you going to calculate that? How are you going to calculate that? I owe him everything. I owe him everything. So he's going to move on my heart, give him above and beyond my tithe. I just say, amen, God. I'll just put it in the plate and it comes by. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes I think, I don't know if, where I'll ever get that back or not, but I tell you, God's been faithful to me every single step of the way, every single step of the way. And uh, I believe God will be faithful. I believe God will be faithful. I'd seen, I'd been tithing long enough for me and Rachel. I'm just, I'm just telling you this, this as an this example. I'd been tithing in cash enough to cover me and Rachel's tithe, and then this morning, I got that Rocket Money app on my phone, and it come across on there said a large transaction has been detected. And I looked, and Rachel had paid her tithe out of her bank account because I hadn't told her that I was paying both our tithes. My knee-jerk reaction, I thought, I'm going to ask Susan for that back. <laughs> I just had to be honest with you, that's what I thought. I mean, that was a mistake. And I thought, no. No, that wasn't no mistake. That was exactly what God wanted. That's exactly what God intended. And uh, so I said, glory to God. 
You ought to be, you ought to be somebody that's willing to pay. You know, you say, well, I ain't got much. That's the good thing about God. He ain't looking at the number. Matter of fact, they were sitting there watching one day at the temple for people to throw in the money. And that little old widow woman, she had less than everybody else. But the Lord said she gave more than everybody here. So if you didn't make much money this week and the offering plate comes by and you throw a five in, somebody else offering plate comes by throws two or three hundred dollars in. But to that person throw that five in may be a bigger offering than the two or three hundred. Because God looks at God looks at your heart, how much you got, who give, and then you give. And I'm gonna tell you something. God ain't never, never been out give. Never has he ever one time been out give. You say, well, preacher, you just preach on money because you won't know. Ain't got nothing to do with that. Somebody said the other day, he said, oh, so-and-so. I bet they, I, listen, I have no idea what anybody gives. I don't. I don't never see it. I ain't going to make a deposit. I don't never ask. I ain't got a clue. The only people I've got any idea what they give is those of you that give on PayPal because I'm the only one that knows how to go in there and transfer the money. Other than that, I ain't got a clue. I ain't got a clue what anybody gives. That's between you and the Lord. But I'll tell you this. The Bible promises given, it shall be given unto you, shaking down good measure, all those things. And I found it to be true every single time. I found it to be true. Yeah, that don't mean you don't never have no hardships. That's... There's times when I, I was tithing, but I didn't know how I was going to pay. I didn't know how I was going to buy groceries. But look at me. I, I continued to buy them. Ain't God good? Aren't you glad to be a member of a church? I'd say it's, I think it's important, don't you? I think it's important to be here and fellowship, worship together, praise the Lord together. I think all those things are so important. Lean on one another, pray for one another. I think it's important for these kids to run around after service and play together and make church friends. All that's so important, so important. I just thank the Lord for it. Let's stand our feet. Father, thank you, Lord, for helping us to preach tonight. God, I just pray, Lord, that you'd use these few words that we've said to be a blessing to your people. I pray, God, that you'd help us, Lord, this week to invite others to be here on Sunday. God, they'd Though we could fill this place up, Lord, I'd love to see us have to buy some more chairs sitting in this sanctuary. God, I pray, Lord, that you just put it on people's hearts this week. God, to invite others to the house of God. We'll thank you and praise you for all you do in Jesus' name. Amen. And-